Welcome to Sunday Chats 969, the podcast where you can listen back to interviews that were first broadcast on All FM 96.9. We are an award-winning community radio station based in Manchester, and this is a bonus episode. It's hour two from our Easter Sunday special with a marvellous Mark Jackson. Welcome back to the second hour of the Sunday Tea Show right here on 96.9 All FM on your radio, allfm.org, wherever you are in the world, online. Joined by me, Ruth O'Reilly, delighted to be keeping you company. And on today's show, my special guest live in the studio, our Easter Sunday guest, is the fantastic Mark Jackson. Great to have you on the show, and I'm really appreciative of you coming in on an Easter Sunday as well, because we always like to do a live show at Easter, so really um, appreciate that. It's great to be back. I, I really enjoyed the last one and then yeah. this one. Uh, you know, it's, it seems like it's going all right too. I, I'm, I'm just glad to be here. Oh, no, really good to have you on. We've got more tracks from your EP coming up and I love um, how you enjoy listening to them on the stereo as well on these speakers and the studio. So. I was I was absolutely blown away listening to one of my things coming through the speakers in a radio studio. It's, yeah. it's blown my head a little bit, that. No, that is one of the best things about being a radio presenter, just having the, the licence to be able to give first tracks their, their play. So, you know. Yeah, it was great. Absolutely uh, made my day. So, before the break, we were discussing the fact that you've got an, a new piece that is keeping the, the theme of Keith's brother alive. Yeah, it, it's well, it's not actually a new one. It's it's an old one that's been on my website for a while, but it's something I've, I've, I've it's too long to read out at, at live events. Yeah, but it's something I was quite pleased with when I wrote it. I, something I can read back now, and I still think it's it's all right. Mm. Um, so I'm going to read an extract from that so as I said before this is part of the story when this particular person um, is in a police uh, interview situation Mm -hmm. he's been read his rights and he's just about to be charged so he's about to tell you where he's been okay I'd spent the previous night in CDC the central detention centre hidden in the bowels of the Crown Square court complex a pre-prison stopover where the convicted and innocent until proven guilty were held before being shipped to remand or court hearings. The closest I'd come to jail before now was watching Porridge on TV, and I'd hoped for a Fletch-type character to help me through. A sympathetic old lag to break me in gently, but decided against asking my new cellmate to do so. In Porridge it was always frowned upon to discuss why you were inside. But he told me straight away, referring to himself as a twocker after a scrape with traffic police on the M66. If you don't say so, they'll fill the gaps themselves, he said. Attempted murder, I said. He looked me up and down. At the two-tone of the Lord jogging bottoms I'd been given from Bootle Street Police Station, one leg yellow and one purple. He looked in my eyes, still wet from tears in the van on the way there. Oh, big time, eh? The cell hatch was opened by a duty officer beckoning me out into the morning chaos. 
There'd been a disturbance in strange ways overnight, meaning newcomers were being bussed in, greeted by a chorus of kick doors as they lined the cell landings prior to being booked in. Interview at nine for you, son. A regulation toilet break was insisted upon before we left. No cubicles or doors, just a low tiled wall for privacy, as a dozen heads grimaced above each like battery hens in a ceramic coop. I saw a gap and touched down on the warm wooden seat. The stench hit the back of my throat, triggering the square sausage we'd had for breakfast to resurface. Have you heard about the ways? said a voice. The roof's gone. I stretched my t-shirt into a makeshift gas mask whilst eavesdropping on the overhead exchange. Been waiting to happen forever in there, mate. Have you heard about Delaney? Been done in somewhere around New Mostyn. I clenched my eyes tight. Is he dead? said a voice overhead. Don't know, mate. No one knows. I wondered if they knew. My fingers trembled tying the waist cord of the jogging pants and quickly went to find the boss, clinging to his side as he led me out to check out. A voice shouted after us, Oi, he's not even flushed! And the row of heads turned as one with a shared look of disgust. I, I just couldn't go, boss, I said. Judging by the smell, you must be the only one.
was another track there by The Faces Nobody Knows and it was one of the choices there of, of Keith's brother have you got any story behind why you chose that I think it's got it's a continuation I suppose from uh, when we mentioned about Ronnie Lane before mm. I think I put a couple of his uh, tracks he's been associated with on, on the on the list of stuff for yeah. today that's got Rod Stewart doing the vocals in it now as much as a uh, what's the word? How could I describe Rod Stewart? I'm not a big fan of it, <laughs> well, but you've got, got to say when he was in the faces, his vocals are absolutely mind blowing. And if you know, he listens to that piece, he's singing in that, and Ronnie Lane's doing the the sort of a backing with him. And yet, there's a thing about um, they say some people have he, Ronnie Lane's not got not a great singer, mm. but he's got a great voice. He does it in a very unique unique way. He's yeah. almost talking. When he's when he's uh, yeah. doing his vocals, so it's it's a song that you don't really hear very much of. I played it with my daughter the other day, and she likes it as well. Yeah, no, that a lot of these tracks are, are tracks that I I've not really heard that much of before, but they they all kind of like sound so you in in one way in in a way like the the, the backing beats and and stuff like that and um our um old radio manager jason who is now um just become a, a regular team member as well but he has a distinct dislike of rod stewart so if he's Is listening <laughs> so i'm not on my own then. so if he's listening he'll he'll be glad to hear that that Go he's on. not alone <laughs> He's got you. You can't as whatever you think about him in the in the the when was it early seventies when the faces were going, his vocals are fantastic on the mm. on, on the dead albums like. But it's uh, you know that's where I'll draw the line with him. <laughs> that's the best you're gonna get out of me, Rod. I think I used to get confused with that Ronnie Lane. I didn't really know his name, but I was like, oh, that's the one with the dark hair. And then you've got Rod Stewart. Like, almost thinking, it, were they related? But they, they weren't. They look, no? the, th- the thing about the small faces and the faces, is they all look, they all had a very similar look. Yeah. They'd have the same haircuts. They'd wear similar suits. <laughs> They'd do a, a so real, a real lads sort of gang. Together. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's one of the, probably one of the things that was appealing to me about them. Really. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, before we played that track, um, you introduced us to the first part. I don't know whether it's got got a name, but it's that um, story um, following on the whole theme of um, Keith's brother. It's it's part of um, an old one called Death Rides a Bus. So Death Rides a Bus, yes. It was an extract. Um, I got the, the title was from an old 
cowboy film. Okay. Called Death Rides a Horse. Ah, okay. So that's yeah. And there's, for some reason, that there's always a bus in a lot of stories. I. It's probably because I spent half my childhood <laughs> yeah. stuck on the back of a bus. Probably that's where it's coming out now. De- so. Death and buses are big themes with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's quite an apt title. So I'm just going to read the second, uh, another, the following part of yeah. uh, where the, the the main characters uh, spent the night in uh, in like a. A remand jail, mm. the central detention centre. So this is back in the police interview now. You need to charge my client or let him go, said the duty solicitor. It felt like the first time Jez had spoken since we'd come in, leading by example with the no comment advice he'd given out before the interview. Keith told you to get rid of the jeans, didn't he, mate? said Detective Logan. No comment, I replied. No comment. One night away and you think you're Ronnie Cray. He was blubbing like a baby all the way here, said Detective Pontifract. The tape's off, whispered Jez, before addressing the two laughing policemen. Are you charging him or not? Detective Logan fumbled at the cuff of his shirt. The attempted murder may not stick, but we've got more than enough for conspiracy. Probably assisting too. So charge him, said Jez. I'll let him go. Logan began to pace the carpet tiles of the interview room floor. What do you know about David Delaney? Is he dead, I ask? In a coma. Not looking good. He's a reformed character, according to the parole board. Security caravan, wasn't it? Said Pontifract. Around the time your fish was getting eaten. You didn't get eaten, I said. He works for PM Security now. You heard of them? Said Logan. They look after building sites, pubs and clubs now too. A consultant. He tapped the side of his nose in a top secret way and leaned across the interviewing table. Does Keith really think his taxi mates can help him out of this one? Some old blokes knocking out snide shell suits and dodgy VHS players. One of his mates used to be a wrestler, I said. He's like a mountain. A mountain with a massive beard, and he's been on World of Sport. Pontifact grips his partner's arm in a playground version of terror. Careful, Logie. We're talking old men in leotards here. There's no car park straighteners with this lot, my friend. Your kid's dropped himself right in it here, said Logan. What is it you want me to do? Find him. Tell him we can help. He won't even turn the telly over if I ask him. Well, then we'd have to look at charging the only suspect we do have, said Logan. And you wouldn't be staying at that five-star gaff from last night either. I looked to Jez for help, but he could only shrug his shoulders. Just tell him he's a goldfish, said Detective Pontifract, out swimming with some massive sharks. The two detectives pushed the chairs back under the table and made for the door. The professionals had both now left the room.
Baby That's Me there by Cake. Another one of our selections, because we've got you in, in training for the second time for, for Desert Island Discs, don't we? I think we need Desert Island Bus for you. <laughs> we do, there's always a bus there. It's that, that last song was, um, I bought a record from a charity shop for okay. like 50p or something, and it was called, I think it was called Where the Girls Are, and it was all like 60s um, girl bands from the... From right. The, from like the Motown era. Okay. And that track was on it, so I found it and I absolutely loved it. It blew me away. It's wow. Amazing vocal sound. Yeah. And we have um, a show every Sunday called Charity Shop Classics. It's on on a Sunday morning. So if you're interested in like little stories behind um, like little finds and charity shops, that's a, a show for you, definitely. But we've got Mark Jackson here in the studio with a mixture of live performances, music choices and also tracks from his latest EP. Is this going to be an ongoing thing for you? Will there be another EP in the making, do you think? I, I think that I would be wrong not to try and do some more music-based yeah. ones because yeah. there's been out of everything I've done that's probably the strongest reaction I've had mm. from people when you do them live and, and yeah. stuff so yeah I'll, I'll do them in some sort of some some more music based ones whether yeah. it'll be part of the same EP or not I don't know okay yeah so we're going to play another track from this and it, it's continuing your, your theme of either death or buses and this, this is almost dead Um and I think this is the one that you sent me kind of a music video from one of your live gigs as, as well. And it's kind of, it, it felt like as if it had been, it could be a music video if um, if you watch it in a certain light. I think this this one, um, the video I sent was the 197, I think. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, this is, but this is, this is the latest one that I've done. This is the most recent one. Okay, let's, let's hear this. It's four in the morning. I knew you wouldn't answer. So I'm leaving a message just to try and explain. It's been a year since we spoke, but I thought you'd want to know a few things around here might have changed. My mum said to pretend you died. It would have been easier, no betrayal or listening to the lies. So I've read up on the five stages of grief and found I've been stuck on stage one for a while. Shoulders were cried on, hearts were poured out, there's still mates I can't look in the eye now. Droning on about overnight stays, phone bills you tried to throw away, texting whilst I was asleep. Even told them about those things you bought from M&S. I thought they were a present for someone else Cos in 20 years I'd never seen you wear anything red And when you came home that morning and said your battery had died I was just glad you were still alive Like that scene in a pantomime, he was behind me the whole time Bit embarrassing when you look back From your graduation 
when we couldn't get a taxi so walked from the station and the wind blew through Sheffield straight down from the Pennines and your mum said you'd be moving on to better things so I said good I knew you would they always thought I was punching above I'd see it in the eyes of the wives of those holiday friends as the blokes would be testing the water. It was Los Cristianos when I got the stand innovation for the drugs don't work. Best karaoke all summer, they said. And when I sang, if you leave my life, I'm better off dead. They all sang along like they knew what it meant. We were posing for photos with that couple from Burnley, the ones with the matching tattoo of their dog. And as the stars faded overhead, we lay on a volcanic bed. I washed sand off your blistered skin. You said you'd wash away all my sin. I still don't know what you meant. yesterday, no dramas this time, no waiting before work on his drive, it was in Tesco Express wearing a Stone Island coat buying two bottles of rosé wine, I knew they were for you, it could have been an intervention or some celestial prank, but as he struggled with that self-scan till I must have jumped straight to stage number five. The one way you start to move on. So I was leaving a message at four in the morning to say the drugs haven't worked for a while. Turns out you didn't need to die after all. So for now. I'm keeping you alive. Oh, that was fantastic. And I just loved um, watching you, what, listening to your track on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's this is the beauty of radio, though. And we need to let the listeners know, because I thought you'd gone into studio and, and recorded that, and you said you've just done all that yourself. Yeah, I've done it all, played all the instruments, the drums, the bass... The piano, even. Gosh. Um, I've got a microphone that you can plug into your iPad. Yeah. So that gives you the vocals should be a bit more uh, le at a level sort of thing. But yeah. no, everything else is played. No samples, nothing on the lot. It's fantastic. And even that little bit where he's left the answer machine message. <laughs> yeah, there's a filter and garage band you can put on. <laughs> the whole piece, wow. the, the whole piece of that one was supposed to be. I had visions of someone um, um, leaving a, a voicemail for somebody. Right. Yeah. That, that was the, the the thing behind it. So, um, 
but I thought if he did it, if he did like the phone boys all the way through, it'd probably get on your nerves a bit. Yeah, just no, it, it was it was just like effective there at, at the end, and you know that's what they tell you when you're training for radio. Just imagine you're leaving one long voice message because <laughs> no because no one yeah. is like talking back to you only in messaging or, yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I loved that one, and you said that someone called that something about wishful thinking or, or something was it that was um no that was the uh the the swimmer someone who's a, oh, a right, poet okay. called kevin kevin gilday who um said it, it was a bit like wish fulfillment he described it as which i wasn't sure what it was so i had to research it but that that one it's supposed to be optimistic that one i've played it to a few people and they've yeah. like oh it's so sad and all that it's supposed to it's supposed to be happy at the end. yeah because it's uplifting but it might not might, might miss the mark on that one i think it, it's because like you just wish the person well in the end kind of thing don't you so yeah, so the, that's the, the reason the characters are supposed to be all right and it is 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 the whole point of him is saying I, I wasn't all right but now i am yeah but I think again, that's that, that's one of them where it's like um, down to earth, romantic in a way. You're going through all these different memories and stuff. But um, yeah, no, you you really touched on something there, and you need you need to do more like that. I think as well. I th- well, I've I've got some music written, and I just need to put the words to it. Th- that one was probably the hardest one for me to do mm. because the previous two, I'd wrote the words first, and I've, I mean they've got the music to fit the words. Yeah. This one. I'd done it the other way round, I did the music, so I had to come up with something um, to, to fit to mm. fit that. So it was meant to be a bit dramatic. Uh, little piano bits in just the piano right play bangy yeah. in that wow. as well. So just a couple of couple of notes together, you know. Two fingers is my piano <laughs> style. That is, that's the way I <laughs> Well, very effective. But now we we want to get some, some more pieces from you. As as you were saying, like People don't always get treated to live performances from you because time restrictions on on these open mics and stuff, isn't it? That's true. Yes, there is. So, um, are we going to go for another reading? Yeah, I think that would be really good. Would you ever do your own night? You know, I think that you've got enough material between everything you do to just, like, do your own music night now and other bits and bobs. Is that something you've thought about? Probably filling it would be a problem. <laughs> well, we he's filled over it. Oh, I, I think everyone is going to come from. We'll get all your Glasgow lot and uh, and everyone from from Dulcimers. I could do it in my front room, maybe. <laughs> could do it outside Tesco Express. We could do it at the one nine two bus stop. <laughs> On the bus. Oh yeah, exactly. Most of my stories have someone riding on a bus at some point in them, don't they? Yeah, I need to hire a bus. As as I was saying to you um, before, I think it would just be a great idea if we could get like a one nine seven or a one nine two with a couple of lines from one from one of your poems on it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that'd be good. I think that'd be good. (laughs) What we what we having next? I think I've got a piece here. What time are we on? It's about We've got seven, plenty of time. About seven or eight minutes. This one. Okay. And it's called Billy's Birthday. Mm. I've read this a couple of times, um, but let's give it a go. See how it is. I'm just trying to um, think. I'll try and skate around if there's any words I shouldn't be saying. Oh yeah. No, you're very good for for remembering that. Yeah, because Ofcom is. We never went. No one Ofcom's listening. I don't want Ofcom on my case, do I? <laughs> if you do, then you'll have to write another gritty story about that. 
there was that time when that station got in trouble. <laughs> it's like inspiration where you can. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Right, okay, this is called Billy's Birthday. They sat in a horseshoe by the swimming pool. Girlfriends at one end, lads at the other. And I pull up a chair to sit between them. The DJ inside the house was one of our friends. I only knew him as Wayne. But from now on, I'd have to refer to him as a friend. A friend whose version of industrial techno he'd brought over to Los Angeles from North Wales was making me want to cry actual tears. A voice attempted to remove my cloak of awkwardness. You must be Adam's friend, she said. Me and Wayne came over a year ago. Everyone sat here was writing their own tales to tell in years to come. They'd always have that gold-plated conversation starter. I used to live in California. Dropped jaws all round at that one back home. I estimate when an extended holiday could be described as living and guess at around six months. Five months and one week still to go. The LA night sky glistened onto the house party guests nestled in the Topanga Canyon hillside. Danny from Wolverhampton had called Adam with the address and it had been duly circulated around the expat circle. His chauffeur job meant he got to know people and would tell the story of how Whoopi Goldberg always gave him a hundred dollar tip and then both sneaking off to Taco Bell while she was on set. I expected him to say that she tried it on with him at some point. But he didn't, giving the tale an authenticity that I wasn't prepared for. Adam had moved to the US prior to the 94 World Cup. The fact he'd once played for Everton Reserves now a valuable asset in the cutthroat world of personal soccer coaches. He still didn't quite believe I'd taken him up on his offer to come and stay with him in LA. Neither did his living girlfriend, who was still in shock that someone he'd only met twice in person had actually taken him up on it. The fact that I'd walked in on her having a bath twice in the last week only intensified the whispers in our tiny Venice apartment about when I'd eventually be gone. I stare into the California night and think of pubs, taxi queues in the rain and top of the pops on a Thursday night. Adam flumped into an empty poolside chair. Do you know whose house this is, he says. It's only Billy Idols. Danny told us that Billy had been to Las Vegas for his birthday, but was due back any time. And how much of a normal bloke he was, just like us. Poor old Billy Idol. People still slaughtered me for that robot dance I did once at a school Christmas disco. So how did he cope with making such an idiot of himself on a global scale? I bet he gets that same line thrown at him over and over again. He'd exchange nodded greetings at the MTV Awards with sound men and camera crew then hit with the sucker punch. Nice day for it, Billy. A nice day for what, he'd reply, walking straight into the trap for a white wedding mate. The ironic backstage cheers reminding him this is laughing at, not with. The MTV Awards must be a nightmare for Billy Idol. Try and join in a bit, whispers Adam. You look really fed up. It's the jet lag probably. 
You've been saying that for three weeks, he calls as I get up to leave. The marble floor has steps down to a TV viewing area where the decks are now set up. Wayne leans into his headphones, prepping his next vinyl attack. I wave over in a show of support, then realise that he mustn't have seen me. A girl dressed in a red Adidas tracksuit top with matching shorts stands blocking the open tread staircase. It's bad luck, I say, gesturing for her to walk down first. I've never heard that one before, she says, in Southern Californian drawl. Walking under ladders, that's another. I'll watch out for any, she says. I'm guessing you're Australian. I'm looking for the toilet, I say. You mean the bathroom? That makes two of us. I follow her across the landing towards a pair of closed doors where she gestures towards the one on the right with a shrug. We walk in to see a huge bed built into a black metal frame with wheels fixed at each corner. As if the cockpit of a car had been lifted out by a crane and replaced by a giant mattress. Is that supposed to be Batman's car, she says, and unfolds the pyjama bottoms from the pillow to show a utility belt printed around the waist. I think it is, I say, resisting the urge to correct her on the name of the vehicle and decide against pointing out that the pyjamas are a replica of the costume worn by Adam West, not one of the tacky Hollywood remakes. She sits on the bed and unzips the pocket of her tracksuit top, twisting the lighting end of a pre-rolled cigarette. I offer her the clipper lighter from my shirt pocket and we sit with our feet draped over the driver's side of the bed. She tells me she's a tennis coach, reeling off the names of clients I should know, and I make a mental note to find out who Jason Alexander is first thing tomorrow. She asks me to repeat various words after her. Say, water bottle. Water bottle. And she laughs so hard she loses her breath for several seconds like a child who's trapped a finger in a door. I try to work out if this is laughing at or with then realise I don't really care which. I'm missing home, I say. But I didn't have much to stay at home for. She rummages through the clutter on the bedside table, then gently returns my lighter back where it came from. Maybe California's your home now, she replies. I follow her across the landing, sensing a sideways incline I hadn't noticed on the way there. See you now, Mr Australian man, she says, before gliding onto the patio and being swallowed up by the other guests. Wayne fires a nod in my direction as I manoeuvre back towards the pool to see a spiky blonde-haired figure is now sitting in my chair. Wearing a black sleeveless t-shirt, he's holding my circle of new friends on the edge of their plastic seats. All right, Billy, I say. His eyes flicker at the stranger standing by his swimming pool. The beats seem to drop for a second as I try to retrieve the words already departing my lips. Nice day for it. His mouth droops like a cornered Alsatian. A nice day for what, mate? I see it in his eyes. Billy has been here before. An arc of expectant faces wait for an answer. 
a faded Batman logo is printed across his t-shirt and I think of everyone at the MTV Awards your party it's pretty good mate his face unfolds into an indebted smile that only I can see then Billy Idol continues with his story I, treat, I retrieve the lighter from my shirt pocket to see it's been wrapped by a piece of torn cigarette packet a phone number is scrawled across beneath a biro sketch of a tennis racket it feels like a nice day to start again You're listening to the Sunday Tea Show right here on 96.9 All FM on your radio, allfm.org, wherever you are in the world. Online, they call us the real voice of Manchester. And our real voice of Manchester live in the studio is the fantastic Mark Jackson, Keith's brother, all all this. (laughs) Whichever one you want, I'm not bothered. And that last piece, um, I really enjoyed that. I think that that was a million miles away from the 197 and the grittiness of Manchester. But you've just told me that that was actually loosely based on a bit of a true story. Most things that are right come from... uh, Their inspiration is in in real life, in truth somewhere. Yeah, um, I, I think, think that's what people like about what, what you write. You can get that sense of realism. Well, it's. I was just telling you, I spent a bit of time in my in my twenties um, travelling to 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 Southern California. Mm. I used to do a bit of football coaching over there. Okay. Um, and I th- the first time I went in 1994, I think we, myself and my friend, went over, and we uh, were staying with um, another friend of friend of a friend sort of thing okay and we'd only been there a week and we went to this party in the hills hollywood hills somewhere right yeah with all these other people like myself here. very glitzy it it wasn't really but we're <laughs> at this house and then i was in the house and somebody told me they said this is billy idol's house mm. i was like no way and he, he wasn't there but i remember going to the toilet and i stuck my head i went for a mooch round yeah yeah and there was a bed in the shape of the batmobile there 
sort that. I can't believe it. I thought that would be the bit that you'd made up or whatever, but that was the true bit. Well, I tried with taking it out because it sounds so unbelievable. I thought, oh, I'm going to put it in because that's probably the only bit yeah. that's true, isn't it? So I thought, oh, I have to put that in, you know, so. Were you a fan of Billy Idol, though? Not really, no. <laughs> I, think, I think the character in the, in the story mm, more decides like... he's not. And, yeah, yeah. And, 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 I mean, I took a few swear words out mm. on, on the fly. I don't know if you could tell. Yeah. But I think mm. towards the end, he sort of has a bit of... Um, Affection for him a little bit. Mm. So, so no, I was, I wasn't really a Billy Idol Because, because he was like a little bit Rod Stewart esque in a way with the hair, a little bit, wasn't he? From what, from what I remember, there's only one. The, the one that I really liked by him is Eyes Without a Face. Yes, I think that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he was touring at the end of last year, and I thought, imagine if you just like bumped into him because they did say Alice Cooper was just like mooching around Wilco or whatever so imagine if you'd bumped into Billy Idol somewhere and you'd said something about that bed he'd be like oh my god he'd think you were psychic wouldn't he <laughs> I think when it was when you when you're over there because it's that's the the industry of Los Angeles the industry of it is film and music yeah so there's a good chance I mean I played football I was training with the singer out of the cult in Asprey because wow. you just do bump into people randomly who are off the TV. Gosh, yeah. It, it, that's the you know if you were if you were in a, a, a village in Wales, it was a coal mining village. You'd meet loads of coal miners. Yeah, it's yeah. the same principle. Yeah. With, with Los Angeles in Los Angeles, really. So you did you did come across people who were uh, who were who were famous and that. So, so you're nearly back in Hollywood then, aren't you? You're almost writing film scripts now in a, <laughs> in a, in a bizarre kind of way. You might end up back in, in Hollywood, you never know. You never know what happens. So. so we've got like, oh, we have a little bit of time left to hear your last EP track um, to get some more of your, your Desert Island choices in. Um, and maybe one more more live piece if you want. We can have a look for one, no problem. Are we do it. Do you want us to do the live one now? Yeah, let's, because it gives more time as well. Okay, okay. So let's have a look. Um, do you think you'll ever write a book? Because you you've got a lot of collection now, haven't you? Built up. I, I haven't got any great um, urge to write a book. I don't think. Right. Short story. I've got short stories. Is the sort of thing that I've done. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've got the concentration level to to to, to go through and write a book. Mm. I wrote a couple of pieces that are about ten, uh, probably about twenty minute long. A book of short stories, I was mean, because maybe yeah. This that, is where possible. people's yeah, concentration yeah. spans are right now. I think there's nothing wrong with like not writing a whole book because that's what people are kind of like into aren't they they're into like flash fiction short stories yeah 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 so yeah well i think that's quite a good point people's attention spans are a lot smart shorter these days because yeah you know like 140 characters on twitter yeah like, it's extended now i think and sitting you know um people looking at instagram Reels. and tiktoks and yeah, stuff yeah. like that I, i've not got a great desire to write a book it'd be something a short written piece maybe yeah. that was it mm -hmm. I suppose so let's have a, uh, a quick look we could do I could do one that I've read previously on the yeah on here if we could um, you know what I'm doing don't you and I'm trying to look for the ones without swearing it you know that's what I'm doing now don't you yeah <laughs> Yes, dear listener, we don't have um, any facility to block them out because we are live. But that is good on an Easter Sunday, so, you know. We could. Um, 
All right, so I'm going to do one. This is another one I haven't done before, but I've read it at. Um, I read it at Just Stories. Yeah, we were, and we were chatting about that because that that's one of the the nights that you attend fairly regular, and you can like get more time, can't you? Yeah, you get a ten minute slot. Um, it's uh, someone called Ilaria. I think it is. Story, I think her yeah, name is. and it's at Gulliver's, isn't it? Yeah, she's yeah. great. She's really good. Uh, she hosts a fantastic night. Um, she's a very. She was on telly a while ago doing um, some sort of walking program. And oh, well, okay. Great, great she, very encouraging. She has a big book, and she has actually performed in our performance space there sure. um, for um, an International Women's Day event that we had. And she, she's got this big book of, of stories, and yeah, she she does look very welcoming and, and encouraging. She's a great so, storyteller. Very yeah. funny. Very good, very very good. Uh, the way she delivers her pieces. So, are you going to be there soon? I'm back. The next gig I'm doing is on Thursday night, um, uh, and it's called Long Story Short. Right. Okay. Um, and that's going to be the last event of that one that they're going to do. Uh, so, Lady wow. called Simone puts that on. Okay. Um, and she's she's not going to be doing them anymore. Now that's it, it, oh, that's no. a really good night. Mm, um, and that's Gulliver's as well. Is no, it? that's at a place called Canvas on Thursday night. Right. Right. right okay. So anyone want to check Mark out in, in action? And I think to watch you perform live is is really good because like you do put in the whole like performance into it. Go for it a little bit. Yeah, I think if I, I suppose it, it's the, the words are doing the work really. I, I don't yeah, feel yeah. I'm necessarily performing, but it's you just whichever way the words say you, that's the way you go when you read them. I think. Mm. Well, you, you're dead humble, so it was it was good when you said that you're actually really proud of that piece a couple of pieces ago, because like you said, you know, I've really written that well, and I was like, well, that's good coming from Mark, because he's always so humble about everything. <laughs> I've always got a down on myself. I've got to, I've got to, to stop that, I think. It's a bit of a, you know, you've, you've got to be, I think you've got yeah. to be confident in what you do to get up there and read stuff. Mm. I mean, it's like I was telling you before about, I read a, a night in Stockport a while ago, um, uh, at Basque, it's called Express Yourself, and I came off and I got very little response off off, off anyone who was wow. listening. But you know, that's the way it goes. I'm, I'm I'm at the stage now where I think fair enough, I can take that. I, I'm not particularly phased by it. Mm. It's just something you know. You'll get nights where you don't go down very well, but then you'll also get nights when you do. So yeah, you just take it on the chin and move on. It you know, if you would have asked me if that would have happened like about a year ago, I probably right. would have been. You know, it would have maybe affected my confidence a little bit, right, but yeah. it doesn't really happen that now. You've earned your your poet's badge now, so to speak, or your spoken word artist badge. Yeah. What what was the? F I mean, that's the the whole thing about being creative, isn't it? I'm having this conversation with a lot of guests where it's like, um, when did they first come out as a as a poet or whatever? And, and you did explain that you did it through your fanzines and stuff like that. But where did the decision to actually perform? Um, come into place to take it away from just the page and onto the stage. It it came from um, a friend of mine, uh, uh, like Rico sent me some stuff by a, a performer in Liverpool called Roy. Right. Um, and I this was stuff that he was he was reading stuff out. He, he did short stories, and this was recordings of him doing them live. Oh, okay. And I was at first I was like, oh wow, he's doing stuff a little bit. I thought they were a little bit similar themed, um, whereas he was talking about his little part of Liverpool, I was talking about my little yeah. part of Manchester, I thought there's a bit of similarities yeah. there, and I thought, he's absolutely brilliant, I'll never be as good as that, that was my first reaction, uh, okay. but then you sort of, you take inspiration off that, 
Yeah. You need to take inspiration. He, he really inspired me then. Mm. Um, I sought him out on Twitter. I sent him some of my stuff. Okay. And he um, he come back to me and said, will you read it at one of my gigs? It was called uh, uh, the Violette Societa right. um, in Liverpool. Um, now, that particular gig got cancelled because of COVID. Right, right. But as a yeah. bit of a end to the story arc, I'm going to be doing it this year in September. Wow. And it's a really good night that you have people like Irving Welsh who's read there, Wendy Erskine, um, the Simon Day of the Fast Show's read there, okay. Tori wow. Garbert, quite a famous poet. Um, that you've, it's a bit like the words, you've, it's a bit of kudos there in a yeah, way because yeah. they're all quite good artists, interesting, different. And I've spent, I've been to quite a lot of the gigs as a fan of these Violet Nights. Gosh. I just sat there in the audience just to see who's on. Mm. And I, most of the time I've never heard of a lot of people who were performing yeah. but I'll come away with like oh wow I'm going to check them out Yeah, they were really good you, you sort of trust the people yeah. putting the night on mm-hmm. but it's going to be something interesting and it usually is so it's a big get deal get that for, buzz yeah it's a big deal for me to get that gig in September well so. well done yeah and it's it's like coming full circle isn't it you know to, to get out there from the Covid to, yeah, to yeah. now definitely yeah I think wow. so so we've got time for, for one more Sure thing. Okay, this is called Instant Nostalgia. Nice. It was a single perfect moment when everything with the world felt right. You never know this at the time. Not until it's truly gone. I just played football for England. That's right, Lauren. It was England v Scotland and a rest of the world 11 at MacArthur Field, Santa Monica in a charity football game. The expat community had rallied round to raise money for a local lad who'd fallen off some scaffolding. The teams were made up of the Cock and Bull Sunday League squad plus anyone else who made a $20 donation could play a small part in the game. And there was a fundraising night in the pub afterwards. I'd only been in Los Angeles for two months, so still a bit of a newcomer. It was hard work, if I'm honest, Lauren. But my plan was always to stay indefinitely. Really try and make a go of it. I'd been training with the cock and bull for a few weeks, and the manager was a lad called Scotty. He really enjoyed giving me an hard time, and would always call me the little fat monk in front of all the others. It was a shock when he said I was in the starting 11 for the big game. A decent footballer. I wasn't bad. Let's just say I could hold my own in those days. Anyway, it was so hot. They had beer tents, barbecues, face painting for the kids, little stalls selling ice cream and even this bungee jump thing. The pitch was like concrete with the ball bobbling all over the place. I was chasing shadows all game and Scotty ripped into me at half time saying if I didn't sort myself out I'd be subbed in the second half and he was good to his word. I got the call from the sidelines and started trudging off when I heard a noise from the other side of the field. A sea of arms raised as one clapping me off. It was a standing ovation if you like. I mean they were standing already but it was still an ovation in my book. I come off and then there's this girl in the water tent. She's wearing a blue Kappa tracksuit like one from the 84 Olympics, USA art across the shoulders. 
She's got this mad face paint on, so I'm staring a bit more than what's polite. Kiss, I say. As in the band. Not as in the touching her lips. She says it's supposed to be Peter Chris. He's a drummer, apparently. And did it herself as she'd been doing the kids' faces all day. Do you remember Kiss, Lauren? Set of weirdos, if you'd ask me. But I'm thinking on my feet here, trying to come up with something heavy metal related to say. The first thing that comes out is that my auntie once had a cat called Judas Priest, and she does this little snort thing trying not to choke on a drink. She reminds me of someone I can't quite place. It's the haircut, I think. This Cleopatra Bob thing with eyes like melting ice. It's not the only thing that's melting, Lauren, I can tell you. The Cock and Bull had this DJ on. One of those who introduced each song by its highest chart position in the year. It was bouncing in there, with everyone from the match carrying on afterwards. It was a bit like Alibaba's cave, if I'm honest, Lauren. If he had a cave, that is. What I mean is, it was full of thieves. You see, a lot of people ended up in LA out of necessity, rather than choice. If you needed to get away from something, or even someone, well, it's the furthest away on the map, isn't it? And you could easily end up in the wrong crowd. Well, we all know how it ended up, don't we, Lauren? So... The DJ's playing lots of 70s soul, Brenton Wood, George McRae, Sister Sledge, and the place is rocking. I get this tap on the shoulder and it comes to me in a flash. She's the double of Claire Grogan. The Gregory's girl one, all sophisticated, like she'll never have to do anything she doesn't want to for the rest of her life. I say, there's something different about you. Hang on, it'll come to me. She says, I wasn't sure you'd notice, but I've washed off the face paint. Turns out she was as daft as I was. So we're waiting at the bar. Three deep it is, and the staff are serving all their favourites as usual, like Scotty and his hangers on. You done well there, lad, he says. I tell him that the heat got the better of me second half. He says I meant your bird, and his mates are all laughing themselves. She smiles back, then extends a perfect middle finger in their direction. It's almost poetic. Then cups a hand to my ear, asking if I fancy going for some food. That's when the song starts. We're weaving through crowded tables towards the exit as that vocal whispers over the harmony. All the room stops what they're doing. It's like every single person had been waiting for this tune all night. Conversations stop mid-sentence as the whole place nods along like out of a scene from West Side Story. I'm half expecting everyone to break out into a choreographed dance routine. It was a time and a place when everything in the world felt right. I never knew it at the time, but I'd be looking back for the rest of my life. So, Lauren, my next track is... Who are you talking to in there? It's alright boss, I'm going to sleep now. Are you doing that desert island disc thing again? It's just the radio boss. 
Of course it is, mate.